attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Welcome to another episode of the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomas, and I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, none other than son of the director, David Rosen. That's right. Big episode number 30 featuring Rosie. We had a great talk this summer right at the end of camp. Talked about some classic stories. Talked about what it was like being there as a youngster, being the child of the director. So another perspective on that idea. Before we get to Rosie, Camp Ojibwa History Project Bricks of Fame. I've already warned you guys. We're down to less than a month left. This is a one-time deal. We're not going to have them anymore. So, get your bricks now. It's going to be your last chance. Got a couple more weeks to get your order in. Head over to campojibwahistory.org. Click on Bricks of Fame. Follow the instructions. Order your brick there. Get yourself permanently on the grounds of Camp Ojibwa. Also, big update for the website this week. Ushering in a brand new year. Happy New Year, by the way. Hope you're having a wonderful one. Uh, All of the Warriors from 49 to 54 are now posted on the website. We're putting up a few more new pictures. I've got some new 16 millimeter footage I just got back. Some of the, uh, you've already seen some of it over on the sites page. Some classic footage from the 30s before. Uh, I've got some brand new stuff back. Go over and check that out at the website. So sit back. Enjoy this episode of the podcast. When you're done, head over to the website. Check everything out, all the new stuff. Get your brick ordered. Do all your Campo Ojibwe history business. Right here, top of the week. Here we go. David Rosen on the Campo Ojibwe History Podcast. Okay, for the record, please state your name and years at camp. David Rosen. Started in 1969 to, to present date. Or do you want years as? Camper, 76 to 85. Staff man, 86 to 91. Nice. Thank you. Very nice. So... Being a son of a director, you have a different perspective than a lot of the guys who come in as campers. Um, what was being 
pre-camper age like for a little David Rosen running around camp that you can remember? I, you know, my remembering that it was simply hanging with the Schwartzes, Billy Berry. How much are they older? They're they're yeah, a few years older. Okay. Um, we had a jungle gym with this big yellow slide. I remember just playing the jungle gym with my sister, obviously. And it was just hanging with them, hanging with the Weinbergs when they wouldn't come up. Mm. Julie, Margie, Susan, Nancy. So it was just like, we were all like a little family. It was like a little playpen. It was a little family. But I remember really just idolizing Billy and Barry, Mm. just wanting to do whatever they did. Sure. So that's what I, you know, we would go down to the waterfront. We had this little group called the, the Gorillas. And they'd always try to, to do these little tests for me and try to make me do these crazy little things just because I wanted to be part of them so badly. But that's just, you know, just running around with those guys. Nice. Now, as far as the sort of camp population, did they like you guys? Did they not like you guys? Did they shoo you away? Who? Like general ca- campers. Yeah, and, and honestly, counselors. I have no clue. Yeah. Uh, I, I would assume... I have no clue. I don't remember. I mean, I think as we got older... I think they would bear with us because of who we were, or at least sure, who I was. Course, yeah. You know, I, I don't. But I mean, I don't think I was too bad of a knowing kid. I think I was okay, but I, I don't. I don't recollect. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it a little bit. I've been here through all of Ari and Noah growing up. Yeah, and sort of the way you know, like counselors love three-year-old Ari to come hang out at their game. They're like, that's the coolest thing right. ever. You know, they think that's. Awesome. I think those guys hang out more with the campers. I think we hung out more with each other, mm. kind of like down by the waterfront, down by the beach down by the jungle gym is just what i remember yeah when's your first year as an official camper 1976 i just turned seven perfect cabin one cabin one nice i was in cabin one for two years and i took the big jump to cabin two. Ooh. do you remember anything about that first year i do i do i i, I do remember that uh i do remember playing a lot of catcher mm. a lot of right field sure I do remember I was, I was clueless. I mean, I was really clueless. Right. And small. I mean, or well, I don't know how small, but you're seven years old. You're, no, I, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, it took a while. I mean, these kids that I was with were like two, three years older than me. Right. Right. So it was, I was kind of a clueless kid. Interesting. Now but that... I was dying to become a camper. I remember that. I was mm. just, I couldn't wait to become a camper. Camper years. What are your cabin numbers along the way? One one two four seven nine ten twelve thirteen thirteen. Nice. We had no fourteen back then. Right, of course, of course. Still the dad's lodge. Along the way, as a camper, what are the things for you that stick out that to this day you still think about the camper stories or the camper situations? Well, you know, as you mentioned, Chris, I had a different perspective on the whole thing. Absolutely. Okay, so what what always sticks out to me is that. I never had the true summer experience as a lot of my 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 peers did. Mm. Because let's face it, my father was Denny. Right. It was a different deal. Sure. Absolutely. Now I love camp. It's my it's my home. I absolutely loved it. But having your dad be who he is, especially who's Denny. Right. You know, we would go back to the cabins, and I remember sometimes like. Hearing, oh, Jesus, fucking Denny, or this and Denny. And it's like, <laughs> you know, he's my dad still. Right. And you know, a lot of good things. A lot of people love Denny. But he was, you know, my my dad is, you know, his nickname is Great great Rosini. I mean, sure. He's, 
He's a friggin' animal. So it was a different perspective. I, I, I couldn't fully... It wasn't freedom. It wasn't a liberation where a lot of these kids would come up to camp and they were just free of everything, free of their parents, free of, you know. I didn't have that 100%. Yeah. So it was a little different. I loved it, but it was a little different. I think it was different from Billy and Barry. I don't think they had the same uh, right. intensity that I, that I grew up with. Sure. I think that Mickey was more laid back. Yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't own the camp back then. Right. Denny just worked there. Right. So it was also like, don't fuck up, David. Yeah. I mean, there's many times when I did fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was hard for him because he never wanted to be embarrassed. Sure. He never wanted me to put himself in, him in a bad position or me in a bad position. So right. it, was, it was a different perspective. Yeah, that's something I don't, you know, I don't really think about. But I guess all the sort of director's kids have to go through that idea of like trying to be a normal camper and live in a cabin where a cabin might be bitching about the guy at the end of the day. I heard it all the time. Yeah. I or, heard it all the time. Or the other way, or being like, that guy's right. awesome. You're like, oh, it's enough. Okay. I mean, it, you know, and as I got older and I got as, 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 as a counselor too, I mean, there was no such thing as Rosen points. Right. We all, we've all heard about Schwartz points. Absolutely. Right? Sure. Rosen points were almost negative. <laughs> My dad worked so hard on not getting, you know, so not showing that David gets any favoritism or mm-hmm. any special treatment. I mean, he would have counselors beat the crap out of me nice. and wrestling and, and you know, because my dad is a tough, he's a tough mentality. That's just, that's who he is. And sure, absolutely. At, as a kid, you didn't necessarily understand. And as an adult now, I, I appreciate it right. tremendously. But that took a long time to realize that. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Yeah, and my mom was always very sweet and loving. And uh, Denny, stop it, Denny, stop it. You know, she was <laughs> thank God, but she was the, you know, the the yin and the yang to the to the relationship. Yeah. Now at that time, was she working during the summer, or was she just sort of? She around? was helping around. She was helping out in the office here and there, and 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 working, but not to the not obviously to the extent she she does now. Right. I knew that. I guess when the transition happened, because you know where Pearl she was in the office, Riva, um, and my mom was there to help, but it wasn't to the point what you know, like I said, she's doing now. Yeah. Awesome. And so then with sports and and. Being a camper, what are the things that were your favorite? What did you like to do? What was the stuff that you excelled at? If there were any, well, I mean, as I as I got older, I got bigger and I got stronger and I became a pretty good athlete. But you know, softball was always the 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 sport at camp. Yeah, I was more of a football wrestler type. My dad was a football wrestling coach. Sure, of course. Uh, basketball, I wasn't as good at. I was a little. I was more. I was playing. As a football player, wrestling, you know, I was just, I was, I was a bruiser. Right. So softball was always a great sport. Soft, um, football, floor hockey, we loved. Mm, I loved yeah. volleyball. I mean, I like basketball, but um, yeah, fo- I would say softball was probably my number one sport. Nice. And your position? Not catcher anymore, I, I assume. Uh, no, I graduated from the catcher position, and I did play for a couple of years. I mean, that was the thing too, is that, you know, I think that I was so motivated. Because I started so young, hmm. and I was not a factor at all, and I pushed myself to try to become a factor. Hmm. So later on, I, I, you know, I felt like I was a factor. I mean, I played a lot of shortstop, a lot of third. Right on. You know, the big thing is be able to hit the road. Sure, later, later as I got older, I got to hit the road, which is very exciting. Very nice. Now well, I can't do it, and it's very depressing. <laughs> well, I think you said something really smart there that that really touches on a camp thing, and that's. You know, we don't 
when we talk about the youngest camper now, all we really worry about is that that kid can compete with the other kids his age. So it wouldn't necessarily matter if you were eight or nine, as long as you could sort of physically play softball with them and play football and not get just trampled over. But the idea, I mean, going back in time, the beginning of camp, you could be five your first year. And that sort of evolved over time how young you could be. But really speaking to that idea of coming in as that super young kid and even in a young mentality, not being able to keep up and motivating you to then want to keep up more. That's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I think it depends on the kid. You know, yeah. some kids, it could go the other way. Like, you know, the, but, you know, my, I have a father that you, you're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself. Sure. You know, you fall, you get back on the horse. Right. That's kind of the way I grew up. And as a father of four now, I, pr- I appreciate that mentality. It's like, what, are you going to feel sorry for yourself or are you going to go do something about it? Yeah. And that's absolutely. kind of the mentality my dad gave to me. And and that's um, kind of what I'm instilling on my kids. It's like, don't feel, no one's going to feel sorry for yourself. So pick up, go learn, go work hard, and go get good at something. You know, and there's no quit mentality. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's just, it just motivated me. Every kid's different. Every kid's different. And I, and I, looking back, I give a lot of, you know, uh, credit to my father Hmm. i really do thanks now to get down to the nuts and bolts a little bit talk to me about the camp day when you're a camper age dipper shower is still a thing yeah um are you primarily a dipper i assume nine i think i heard billy and barry i think they were the 98 (laughs) percent i think it was 99 (laughs) percent i got it to the point where i could go in the lake and not get wet i was so quick i did a reverse turn onto the dock and lift myself up (laughs) now i couldn't even lift myself up from the dock but uh yeah i was a dipper you know we started with al doing the calisthenics and you know it was very painful to get up but then we did the dipper shower you know the 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 exercise then dipper shower and they get ready um and then we get ready for breakfast and then we go back and clean the cabins the one thing that i that i you know it's i look now the cabins are are so messy mm. so and, and back then because you know i know mickey was in the in the army and i it, there was a different mentality of the way they clean the cabins and then at the end of the night in order to get the treat your cabin still had to be very clean wow i mean he cuz mickey would come in in the cabins and, and you know, Mickey, we got too. an eight or we got a nine, and he'd come in and he'd check. And if it wasn't clean, he wouldn't give you the treat. Wow. Now you go to the cabins late at night, and and it's unbelievable. Right. It's a little different because there's bunk beds and there's a lot, there's more kids, and it's, sure. it's different. But I personally, I miss that. Hmm. And I, it's like I, I can't, I couldn't live in that. I mean, I I was a pig growing up, but now <laughs> now I'm like I couldn't live in that mess. <laughs> So, you know, cleanup was a big deal. And Paul James would come around. Paul James was the, the used to be the uh, the music man at camp. Sure, of Have course. Have you heard his name? Absolutely, many times. He's a tremendous guy. Tremendous guy. They called him Whitey. Um, <laughs> so he would he would do the cleanup, and, and it was a big deal. I mean, we would, we would have shifts, you know, who we'd, we'd ro- rotate who cleaned the cabin. And, uh, yeah, it was a big deal. And then we then we go to breakfast and we have them. It's kind of similar. We'd have the morning activities and then another. I don't think they didn't have rec period back then. Okay. I think we've gone into another activity. Or we did actually have um, instruction. It was called ah. instruction. Okay. Where we would be, and we didn't have our choice. We would say, okay, you're going to archery or you're going to water uh, waterfront. Gotcha. And uh, 
Uh, we didn't really like instruction. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't like instruction. Yeah, that's fair. You're the, I mean, we, you we, play. we you just want to play just, ball. Yeah, we want to play ball. Right. I don't want to do archery. That makes a lot of sense. I don't want to do archery. <laughs> What's um, being good at archery? Gonna, I mean, are you going to hunt for your food? Maybe. Yeah, it, Maybe it, someday. It, it was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable. Sure. But we just, you know, it's the same mentality now. Where we just the kids want to just play sports. Right. I mean, that's why you come to camp. Absolutely. Camp is a not just for camp. Ojibwa is a sports camp. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's not that the kids don't enjoy other things. It's just that at the end of the day, if you just say right up front, would you rather go play sports or do X, they're always going to just be like, yeah. I'd rather go play sports. You know, I do a lot of recruiting, obviously, in California because mm-hmm. I have four boys. And I always tell them that you just you don't have to be great. At, you don't have to be the best athlete. And you don't. Mm-hmm. But you got to like sports. Yeah. If you don't like sports – Ojibwa's not for you. It's going to be a tough camp if that's not. It's a sports camp. Like it, I mean, least. but the, the other part of camp is the camaraderie at night, hanging with the counselors mm-hmm. and chilling with your guys. And I mean, that's the beauty of the day is like you just you beat you beat each other up all day on the sports fields, and then you just hang at night. Yeah. And it's like there's no girls. You know, you don't the co-ed camps. You right. don't deal there's with no all drama, that. There's no drama. There's no whatever. You just, just hang. hanging out. Yeah. You're hanging out with the counselors and each other and it's like it's incredible when you were camper age who were your guys who were your guys you hung out with that my guys were like miles marks um john bayless bobby shulman gurvey um you know we had we had uh, some of the older guys were like gary spiro moose fishbein we had we had a pretty big crew of guys um but I didn't go. I didn't. Ken Corey. I didn't get to with them for like a, a couple of years afterwards. Did I say John Bayless? Yeah. So because let, I started, let it, let it be known that Bayless yeah, tried Bayless, to weasel his way into this very podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, he did. That's true. <laughs> and I said no. Um, but it took me a little, a couple hours, a couple of years to catch up with those guys because I was so. I started so so much earlier mm-hmm. than then. Gotcha. Then. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Were there guys that you sort of started with who then le- sort of went off and left you a little bit? I mean, sort of capitalized yeah, just yeah, like, they were aging Like, out. I think I started with, like, Moshe Levy and Scott Maravitz and those gotcha. guys, but those were two years older than me. Right. So, you know, they went on, and I, camp, that's an I, yeah. I stayed in cabin one and then took the big leap to two. Nice. Like my kids are doing. <laughs> my kid, I have one kid that my oldest, Zach, is, I think this is his seventh year, and he's only in cabin eight. Nice. He's going to be a 10-year camper before he gets yeah. even into 14. Probably, wow. Probably. That's impressive. Uh, as far as that goes, were there who were your counselor guys? Who were the guys that really my, like, my, impacted Some you? of my favorite guys, my counselors, and one of my f- favorite counselors I'm still very close with today, Steve Gorlick. Mm. He, um, <clears throat> I, I see him. We travel together. A guy named Jay, Cop- Jay Coppell was one of my guys. Right on. Scotty Matson, Doug Meyer. Um, Gary Kaplan. Nice. We, you know, the one thing, the one perk that I did have, I think, is I would tell my dad who I really liked. Mm. And so maybe, he, yeah, little... and he would. I think he'd throw in a bone there and there, you know, <laughs> a little there. And the thing about my dad, to get back to my dad for a second, is that he had a job that people are doing, like six people are doing today. I mean, he was right. the head counselor, the program director. He was doing it all. Right. And now they have a whole team to do it. Um, so give him a lot of credit. No, but that was, I think, one of the one perks that I had is that my dad would, would kind of give me the guy that, w- one of my guys. Nice. But I had, I had some great counselors. Great counselors. I mean, that's what's, 
I mean, it's true that the counselors make camp. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so special about Ojibwa is because I think someone told me a stat that of the 74 counselors up here, 71 have been campers. Mm. I don't think you get that in any camp. Yeah, it's, um, that sounds about right. I mean, there's it's a very low turnover. We only have maybe two or three new new staff every year. And then of those guys, they we've either – there's a handful of us who – like I was never a camper. JD was never a camper, but he and I have both been here 16 years. So I think we got our way in, so to speak. Yeah, I mean that that's the <laughs> – That's um, the other side of it. If you, if you weren't actually a camper – the guy, there are still a lot of guys here. Well, it's who, amazing, Chris, and I give you a lot of credit because first off, I love the show. I'm, a, I'm an avid listener. <laughs> I really, I love it. But you have found you weren't a camper, so it didn't wasn't in your your DNA as a kid, right? But later on, it be, you, you, it was a love affair. Absolutely. I mean, look what you're doing. You're doing this Ojibwa project, these podcasts. So it's like, you know, you you drank the the juice. You yeah. know, you drank the lemonade. I mean, you, you bought in. So you don't necessarily have to be a camper. You right. just have to be part of it. I mean, that's the thing about Ojibwa. It, it is a magical place. So I, I remember I recruited uh, the Feldman family. Mm. They have two boys. And the mom or the dad, I forgot, said, "This isn't, you didn't get my kid into a camp. You got my kid into a cult. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and I'm like, yeah, damn right I did. And, but I look at it as a big fraternity. Yeah. And it's like when I, when I welcome a family in, I, 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 I'm like, Welcome to the family. I'm like, I have your back now for life. Right. It's like, to me, it's like, you know, you're a made person. Yeah. I treat people differently when you're in the Ojibwe family. Absolutely. Like, I'll, I'll take a bullet for them. Absolutely. It's just, it's a, it's a fraternity and it's a family that when you're part of it, we all got your back. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, that's the beauty of, one of the beauties of Ojibwe in my mind. Yeah. Is you that did, it, it is a big fraternity. Your dad and I were talking with someone about camp and, and we were talking about, we we're specifically talking about video and just trying to capture certain things on video. And, and we were talking about what the thing is that we, we would love to capture. And he said it in off the cuff, but it was perfect. He said, camp is easy to feel and hard to explain. And I was like, that's exactly it. Like you walk on these grounds, even my first year when I, you know, made two friends and was not necessarily accepted. I felt it. I knew it right away. I could see what it was and I couldn't tell someone else. I couldn't tell someone else then, well, 16 years from now, I'm still going to be here every summer. Like, it didn't make any sense, right. but, but I knew, and I knew what it was right then. Well, when I'm talking to these different families, I, you know, I try to preach, I try to explain it to them, what camp is, and, and they trust me, and they give it a shot, but then when they come up to, like, visiting weekend or come up, they feel it, they see it, yeah. and they're like, holy crap, David, this place is amazing. You know, they get it. Yeah. So it's it's exciting. It's like I love when they come up for visiting weekend and they and they do a little tour and they see it and they just like, oh my God. Because they feel so fortunate for their kid right. that their kid gets to experience a place like this. That's exactly what it is. It's uh, one of the real beautiful things is seeing the parent seeing the kids experience through the parents' eyes and yeah. the parents be able to sort of glow from that. And, and they know that they're in a great place. Yeah. Plus they have the summer off. Well, that doesn't they're matter. on vacation for four to four <laughs> or eight weeks. Uh, now you mentioned that, uh, you were, t- we were talking about sports and we we're talking about the other side being the hang, but there's another side to camp and it's the reason I was brought in, but, uh, I don't know if you know that Jenny hired me on the phone, two interviews, the whole thing. I didn't know until I got here. The word sports was never said <laughs> at any point. Yeah. Now, I'm a theater guy. I was a theater guy in college. That's what he wanted. That's what he was looking for. I get it. Now it all worked out again, but. 
Uh, but so to me, Camp, even going back to the very beginning, has always had this sort of enterti- entertainment side too. That's yeah, a big for piece sure. of what it is, and for whether sure. it's the Jubilee and whatever. That is a realm that you uh, took a certain interest in along yeah, the way. Absolutely, and 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 you know, my dad jokes because when I you know as an actor you put a make a resume, and a lot of my resume I I put like Ojibwa theater group or something like that is on a lot of the plays. <laughs> but you know, Camp is it, and it definitely has an aspect of the entertainment, mm. and whether it's song night, whether it's stunt night, whether it's um, you know the plays. Mm. But I really started my acting theater career uh, at camp. I was going to ask, did it start as a camper? Was it something that kind of came a little later? It was a camper, for sure. And then later as a counselor, I would do the plays, and, and we'd do these little skits. And Miles Marks and I was my partner. We used to do this, this, this boom box. Uh, I would be the, the sound, okay, and he'd be the dance. Oh. And it was like the most ridiculous <laughs> thing you've ever seen. And thank God Miles was the dancer because he'd absolutely kill himself. Nice. One year, I remember everyone was expecting because we, we then we create a lot of buzz behind our acts. And one year we decided, you know, let's let's go, let's think outside the box. And we went up, we went on stage, and we made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We didn't say anything, and we walked off. And people <laughs> people were like, and then there was like a slow clap, like, oh my god. <laughs> You know, we were trying to be like this avant-garde. For sure, absolutely, like an Andy Kaufman situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And but I, you know, I just and you, I heard that you know the Darren Annixer story. Well, I was going to say, speaking of building buzz, yeah. there's a very famous play that was down the camp of Jupiter stage that had a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, well, he told you about that, didn't he? Was that? Yeah, yeah I mean, for me, because it was a kiss. It was a special kiss. Sure. Um, but I didn't care. I don't care. You know that. That stuff doesn't bother me. Right, of course. I, I'm a guy that goes for it. And I think in the moment, it called for a kiss at the end of the show. Right. How are you going to do Robin Hood without a kiss? You can't. Doesn't make any so sense. So I went for it. And uh, I remember the whole thing. <laughs> I saw people just fall to the ground, and the whole camp went nuts. <laughs> it was, went nuts. I mean, I ruined Darren. I realized I scarred him, and his brother destroyed him. Denny was, I don't know, Denny was in shock. <laughs> But that's, you know, I think you got to be, to me, sports and theater took on the same life. Mm. I got my biggest buzz in life when I was playing sports and when I was on the stage. Mm. I felt alive. And that's what, and when I was doing theater, I felt like I felt alive. And that's what, like, after sports, after I realized I'm not going to be a professional athlete, I'm like, I want to keep that buzz going yeah that that natural high going and that's what the theater did for me like because when i was on there you know and and when you're on and you feel like you're controlling the audience and you got them that's a powerful feeling and i like that yeah it makes a lot of sense so sport you know theater just was a natural progression for me from being an athlete mm. and i loved it so it's like and it all started here at camp it was like a natural progression for me and uh then I went into theater. I did some. I played sports, obviously, in high school, and then. But then I did theater in high school, and then I did went to University of Kansas, and mm-hmm. I did play a little football there. But then I got into theater, and it's just like I, I, I had that bug. I had that love. I needed that. I needed that adrenaline. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And that's what that's what it did for me. But I I, I completely credit it all back to Ojibwa. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely uh, you know one thing we talk 
has come up on almost every episode, just talking about that influence, that thing where where a young kid or a camper or a young counselor figures out what life's about for them here. 100%. And, and 90% of the time, that's not sports. Like, the majority of the time, it's a sports camp, but it is teaching you about what you are in life, not necessarily that you're going to become an athlete, but whatever the, it helps you find whatever. The I mean, I think that is a, a common theme here is that people like really that camp is so important to them. It, it builds the foundation of who they are as a person. Yeah. And it's obviously for me as well. Um, it was a different path for me. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, it's, <laughs> you know, it just grounded me and it grounded me in the person who I am today yeah. for sure. So then moving forward, now you come back as, and you're a staff man. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about, give me a good couple of staff stories. And who were your guys you were staff with? Well, being a staff man was, <laughs> you know, it's always interesting when your dad is your boss. Sure. It's always, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you one story. They'll go back to Kevin 13 for a second. Um, if you don't mind me going back. Oh, please do. Uh, we were in Cabin 13. And we decided to sneak out to Miramita. I think I was with Bobby Shulman, and I was with a couple other guys. Okay. And we went to camp. We were, I don't know what we were thinking or what we were looking for. Like we were going to pull a girl from the cabin and go be with them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the plan was. Right. You know, it's like it was just bad planning. It's more about getting there than anything. Yeah, and then like, what do you do? I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> um, but we. Went to camp, long story short, we got busted. And Sandy Cohen, the director of Miramita, came out. And Sandy didn't know really who I was at the time. Okay. And I, I remember him saying, well, we need to call Denny. And I looked at him, I said, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you just, you can't do it. You can't, please don't call Denny. Please don't call Denny. <laughs> then later I told him, I said, well, I'm Denny's son. He's like, oh, David, I'm with the, you know, the whole thing. So I remember him calling the phone. He said, Denny, I got bad news. I got some of your kids here. And, and unfortunately, one of them's David. And literally, when I'm telling you, steam came out of the phone. I'm like, holy shit, I'm dead. I'm dead. So we go back to, he drives us back to the cabin, I mean, to camp, and you know, the Camp Ojibwa sign, and I remember he drops us off there, and my dad is there with Elliot. Mm. And El- my dad's wearing a hood, and there was, I think, four of us, and, I, and I'll, I'll never forget it. He goes, you, 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 go with Elliot. And he points at me, he goes, I want you. <laughs> so I know I'm food. And this is, I think this is the last year that the Schwartz's own camp. And he laid into me so bad I call it the smack hurt around the lake. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and because, you know, he's like, what are you doing? What are you, you, you know, how could you do this? This is an embarrassment to the Schwartz family. You know, it's the whole thing. I won't, I won't get into complete uh, sure. description of what he said, but he buried me. And I think our punishment was we had to clean the, the catwalk, you know, at the waterfront with mm-hmm. a toothbrush. Oh. Which... If anyone knows the size of the catwalk... That's going to take a few days. That takes a while. <laughs> wow. So that was a lot of, you know, that I was definitely a little... You know, I would get myself in trouble a couple times. Sure. Uh, well, Another time as a camper, I mean, as a counselor, I did bring a girl back to the cabin. 
Okay. Which was not a great move. <laughs> but you had to do what you had to do. <laughs> it's tough times out there during the summer. Sure. And I remember it was a rainstorm. And Denny found out and he woke up and he came in and he kicked the girl out of camp. And it was raining. You get out of here. And I don't know where, like what he was thinking because she had to walk back to Miramita. Oh. So that's a whole nother story. <laughs> or was she a Miramita Chippewa? I don't remember. So the next day, my punishment for that one was because there was a camp, there was an overnighter, and there was about a mile walk from the parking lot to the campsite. Mm. And because it was raining, everyone, there was like 16 kids, so there's like probably, I don't know, six, seven tents. So everyone left. They just went back to camp and just left everything there because it was pouring rain. My job was to clean the campsite, mile walk. Everyone's stuff. Okay, I called it, I was in Nam. I truly was in Nam. It was literally, I was, I had to go back and forth on the trail like four or five times. It was a whole day experience. Wow. And when I came back, I was like muddy and bleeding and exhausted. And I'll, and I'll never forget my dad just laughing. <laughs> he loved my pain. That's he loved so it. But you know we had we had the great we had the greatest time as counselors. I mean we, um, just obviously bonding with the kids, um, just so many so many stories, and then going out at night with your guys. Sure. And we, at, back then we had a place called the Village Tavern. Okay. Do you ever hear of the Village yeah. Tavern? And everyone from the town to the, all the uh, camps they would go to the Village Tavern, and it was like. It must have been like, um, what was that place in New York back in the day? What was it called? Like Sardi's? S- studio 54. Oh, Studio. Oh, okay. Villa, to me, Village Tavern was a Studio 54. <laughs> sure. I mean, it was on. Everyone is everyone. It, it was is on. It was on. It was the greatest. Wow. I mean, we would, so we, we had such a, and then there was a hot dog joint right across from the movie theater. It was Kohler's Dogs. Okay. I literally would have four dogs a night. So I would just go back and forth from the hot dog stand to Village Tavern. Nice. It was it was just Village Tavern was under the movie theater, right? Like in the No, it was across the street. It's where oh. that pancake house is now. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Uh, I think well, yeah. It was incredible. And they had a DJ and just dancing and just it was just tremendous fun. Nice. Now as a counselor, were there campers that are real standouts for you like you're still friends with or they were kind yeah, of the guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's one guy. Josh Lerner, who now I work with in a certain capacity. Um, yeah, I mean, I see these guys over the years. I mean, it's, it's wild now. I mean, like Stu Nitzkin was my, was my uh, camper. Nice. And it's just, it shows that I'm getting a little older. I, mean, I can't imagine some of these older time guys where it's their friends, you know, their grandsons now are, are, yeah. ca- are campers. So, and that's the beauty of Ojibwa too, is that the generation, all the, the multi-generations, you know, it's just, I mean, it started in 28, so it's just such, you know. Yeah, it's crazy like that. And it's all love. I mean, like, you know, a, guy, a kid who's here who's like 14 and a 75-year-old guy comes on the camp is like, hey, I was your grandfather's uh, bunkmate or something. And that kid's like, awesome, let's talk about it. That kid doesn't blow off the older guy. He, like, loves there's a total. Re- there's a total respect. And yeah. there's, you just, yeah, age, it doesn't really matter. Absolutely. It's a family. Yeah. And that, that is another the beautiful thing about camp. Yeah, for sure. Now, in your um, sort of post-post-camp years, yeah. uh, you've come back for BPS yeah. quite a bit. Tell me a little bit about that and what you dig about it. Well, the, the, 
I think the the way that was going to start was Darren was putting together a uh, like a men's league, and kind of like a reunion of, of campers. And then unfortunately, we lost um, Brian Schwartz that year. Brian was a never a camper here. He was a counselor, and he was one of my best friends in life. Mm. And there was a really really rough time for a lot of us because Brian was one of the greatest guys ever. Yeah. Um, tremendous, tremendous person. So we, we decided to, um, wasn't me. I, I mean, I gave him the idea of, you know, why don't we do this with, with Brian in mind mm. and Darren ran with it and called it the BPS league. And it was an honor of Brian. It was just, it was just trying to keep Brian's memory alive because all these guys that were going to come up were new Brian and were friendly with Brian and like let's just let's just go and let's just you know keep Brian's name and memory alive. So that's how it, that's how it started. And then I think it's in its eighth year already. I didn't go yeah. last this year, so I went the first seven years. And it was just a you know it would we played sports obviously, but the idea was just to be together and just to hang. Yeah, and we gave out a award, a BPS award, to each to a guy each each year, just to kind of symbolize who Brian was. Mm. And actually, I won that award. Nice. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that it was truly one of the the most uh, incredible awards I've ever received. I mean, wow. I was so touched because I was so honored because Brian was so important to me. And to win an award like that was just like, holy crap, you know. And the greatest thing about Brian now is, you know, his son Blake, who's now a counselor. Right. And to see him grow and see what camp has done for him. Because yeah. camp is, he loves camp. Yeah, he's a And I think kid. that camp has given him the strength and the comfort, you know, and to carry on. Mm. And yeah. given him, you know, and... I played him basketball last night. He beat me. I had to get him a pizza last night. <laughs> but just to, just to see what camp has done for him is so meaningful. Yeah. Because here's a guy that lost his father, and camp became part of his life. And that's what it does for so many people. Yeah, for sure. So that's how that started. Getting toward the end, wrapping it up a little bit. Uh, one thing I ask everybody, and again, this is going to be one of those much different perspective for you, but I'll uh -huh. throw it out there and see what you want to do with it. Um, now where you are in your life, being a grown-up and whatnot, <laughs> well, more or less. <laughs> depends who you ask but on that one. Married, four kids, <laughs> yeah. life. Uh, how would you say camp affected that? How has camp affected your life? Well, as you said, I have a different perspective on it. Absolutely. Because as I've gotten older, I, and, and, and I don't work at camp. My whole family works at camp. So there's a, there's a little bit of a... Uh, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but I try to be like an ambassador to camp mm. and I try to throw in my hand in recruiting. So I try to be the top recruiter for camp sure. and try to be just a goodwill ambassador for camp. Yeah. But it's affected me just because, you know, it, and I mentioned it earlier, it's just, it's the foundation. It's given me my foundation of who I am, mm. um, what kind of person I am, what kind of father I want to be, you know, you know, my dad always treated me a certain way. Maybe he probably thinks he wasn't hard enough on me. Mm. 
But a lot of that, a lot of my parenting today is based on what I learned from my mother and my father sure. and from camp. Um, so it's, it's given me, you know, a lot of my relationships, what I'm working my job right now is affiliated because of a camp guy, mm. Danny Barnett. Um, you know, my best friends are camp. Mm. A lot of them. It's just, it's my life. Yeah. I mean, Ojibwe is my life. It's my, it's my second home. I mean, when I come here, I mean, I smoked a cigar on the pontoon last night under the billion stars, and I'm like, there's no other place I'd rather be. It's just, it's my comfort zone. Yeah. Now, it's a little different because the experience that I had, I try not to be here as much because I want my kids to try to have a semi-normal experience. Sure, sure. Um, and that's tough. I mean, I, you know, I've watched it with Joel and Rachel, like, you know, trying to make sure they keep distance, but they are also interested in how the kids right. are doing. And, 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 like and you know, when I come here, I, I can't keep distance. I, I try, but I can't. I yeah. mean, I just want to get in there. But, you know, I just want, it's better that they just try to have a normal ex- experience. Yeah. So, you know, camp is, it's my life. And it's a really special place. And, you know, that's why when I try to talk to people about it, I try to give them the feeling. And it's hard for them to understand it, but they get it. Yeah. They eventually get it. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible place. I'm, 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 I'm blessed that I had this camp in my life. Yeah. And I'm fortunate for the Schwartz family that they gave my, my dad an opportunity. You know, and I in my dad's lifetime achievement award, I mentioned that to the Schwartz family that mm. they gave my dad an opportunity of a lifetime, mm. and he certainly yeah. took it and ran with it because he does an amazing job. Yeah, for sure. And you know, he's at his twilight of his career, and it's nice to see the younger regime come in. And you want to say the younger, but you know, Stu and Joel, and and we'll see what's going on with Rachel and. But camp's in great hands. Yeah. I mean, our numbers are great. It's in great hands. Um, the identity is the same. You know, there's no reason why I can't have another 50-year run. Yeah, for sure. So it's, uh, it's amazing. And I'm, for- I'm so fortunate and blessed to be part of it. Awesome. That's how I feel. So I want one great Denny Rosen story. From your perspective, and one great one from you. And if I have to prod you, I might mention that there may have been a hare and hound situation that I hear is a pretty funny story, and a counselor maybe keeping you from getting into him in a tree in a certain way. But uh, well, that was that that was simply, yeah, that was I think that was circus gold rush day, the Ah. bandits ah gold rush and uh, yeah they they you know you would get points if you got uh, the counselors the bandits. And I climbed up a tree, and because that's what I do, I'm tenacious, and I wanted to get the counselor. And a few of them took their uh, their thing out and peed on my head on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and of course, the important question: Did you still catch them? I don't think so. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think. I. I think I. I wanted to fight through it, but I don't think I could. Um. <laughs> There, I mean, there's so many Denny stories. I'll never forget, my dad does a speech about good sportsmanship. Okay. He, the whole camp, he did a speech on good sportsmanship that day. And this was back when my dad would play softball. And he was a pitcher. Okay. He was a pretty good pitcher. Not a great hitter. Decent hitter. 
singles hitter. And but he was a pitcher. He was a pretty good pitcher. And I was playing third base, and we were on the same team. And I made an error, or then maybe maybe made a bad throwing play or something like that. Mm-hmm. Daddy said timeout, and he comes over to me third, and he whispers in my ear, and he goes, "You make another fucking error, get off this field." And then he goes, "Okay, time in, let's go." <laughs> now, now, mind you, this is off the heels of just giving him his good sportsmanship speech. So I'm like, "Really, Dad?" And now I feel so confident that I'm not going to make, you know. So that's just part of the beauty of Denny. That's amazing. All right, my friend. Well, thank you very much for your time. Chris, I loved it. I could talk camp all day. Okay, there we go. David Rosen. Right here on the Camp Ojibwe History Podcast, pulling back the curtain a little bit on what it's like to grow up as a Rosen at Camp Ojibwe. Uh, Super thankful to Dave for taking time out of his summer trip to camp to sit down and talk a little little history podcast. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Send me an email, Christopher at CampOjibwaHistory.org, or stop by the website. Again, we got a bunch of new updates going up. Brand new year, brand new updates. You can find all that over at campojibahistory.org. Once again, I'm going to keep telling you, the bricks are going away. We're never offering them again. This is a one-shot deal. I know there's so many of you out there that are thinking, man, I'd like to have a brick. I'd like to have a brick over at camp by the Collegiate Week bench, but eh, I'll order it later. Later's about to be too late, my friends. Get on there, campojibahistory.org. Click on Bricks of Fame. Put yourself on camp's grounds eternally. And me, it's time for a cigar. Happy New Year. <laughs>